Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Dear God, be with us this morning, I pray. Guide our thinking and reflecting, our meditating and our interpreting. God, guide my words this morning as I speak, as I try to say something good and true and beautiful. God, go back even in time and be with me when I was thinking through these words and writing these thoughts down, infuse it with your spirit, if it be your will. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I left for college, I left everything. Family, friends, church, everything. It was a whole world that vanished in a moment. And some of you know why I had to leave like that. But suddenly, structures of care, even as harmful as they could be sometimes, were no longer present to protect me from some of the more practical challenges of life. So as this young kid, I was scared and alone and hungry. I lived in an apartment near campus, and I worked at a coffee shop in between my place and campus. I made nine bucks an hour, working like 10 to 15 hours a week. And most days I would consume two meals, watery oatmeal in the morning, and then I would get a free drink from the coffee shop I worked at, and I would trade my free drink for, for a burrito from the Mexican restaurant down the street. I had some friends, Right? But no one was any better off than me. We were all just surviving. There were no real systems of mutual support because we didn't have anything to offer one another. We'd all been driven from home. We were all trying to survive. None of us had any sense of belonging or safety. There was nowhere to go. I tried a lot of churches. But they were unserious. They weren't interested in making a new world, but just in reproducing their anemic little vision of white suburban life. Nice folks, right? (laughs) But that was it. I then took a breathtaking amount of loans out to go pursue my call in grad school, which happened to be a seminary, and I wasn't interested in any way in church work. I was trying to get a PhD in Hebrew Bible. That was the track that I was on. But they make you do church work. And I found this place because of that. And suddenly, I was in a different world. I had stumbled into a rift in reality. I had wandered into a world in which people took seriously the work of love. Who took to it with a passion who were possessed by something, 
something that I could only call the Spirit of God. I had found a true and authentic outpost of the kingdom of God in the middle of this real and happening world. And other places like this may exist, but I've never found them. There's so many stories about this place that I wish I could share. Stories about the secret kindnesses and provisions made for me. The care that I've seen given to others. But I don't want to embarrass anyone and I don't want to leave anyone out because I know I can't be exhaustive. But here's what I can say. This has always been a place for us to go when our souls demand something beyond the slog of a soulless world. And people don't just have that. I never had that. I never had somewhere to go to feel safe and feel I could return to myself and to my grounding and to my God. But we have that. There's a bond that we share, that we are woven into together. There is a shared spirit, a shared lineage, a shared DNA. We call it family. And for some of us, this is the only real family that we have. We don't abandon one another. We fight sometimes. We fight out of love. And then we return to one another. We remember that we are rooted in the love of God and we repair the fracture. We provide for one another when there is no one and nothing else. We show up for one another. We meet material and emotional needs and we are never, ever alone. We are not just for ourselves as a community, but we are positioned outwards toward ministry, toward including more, not shutting ourselves in with our favorite people and locking the doors. We're not precious with our love. We don't evaluate those who walk through our doors. There are no criteria except for the common commitment to love and liberation. We reframe and reshape our lives with one another. We interrupt deathly habits of thought and remind ourselves of our beauty and sanctity and the hope that we share together. We are born here. We give birth here. We grow and we live and we die here together. We are a chorus that welcomes babies into this world, and we sing one another away when we transition, standing on this side of the shore, knowing that we'll see one another again soon. What kind of world is this? What kind of world do we live in together? What kind of world have we created? This is not the world that we see outside with its coldness and competition, its individualism and omnidirectional antagonisms. No, this is different. We are a world within the world, the seed of something eternal flowering from within the dying form of an old order. We call it the beloved community. We call it new creation. 
This is where the lost children of the world find the home that they were meant for, where we escape the pain of a world that had no place for us. And what is that worth? That's my question to you this morning. What is new creation worth? How much of your life should be dedicated to the work of making a new world? There are so many claims on our lives, on the strength of our bodies, on the energies of our minds, on the ever-vanishing store of moments that we've been given, on the money that we make by giving these parts of ourselves away to others. Life can feel like a never-ending chain of outstretched palms demanding your money and the labor it represents so that someone else can live easy. Each of these exchanges can feel like investments in the same death cycle, reconstituting the plunderous system itself. We're exploited, and what little we have is taken by the exploiters and used to expand their capacity for exploitation, to build bombs and poison the soil and harvest the labor of those even more vulnerable than us. So where do we have autonomy over our time, our talent, our money. To what can we contribute this time and energy and creative capacity and sweat and all the other things that get concentrated into currency? Of all the competing claims, both practical and moral, what beautiful and life-giving and world-changing thing can we give ourselves to? It's this thing, this work of building a new world, should be our priority. How could it be anything other than the animating source of one's being, the ground of one's living, the initial reference and the decisions we make about anything? If we're following, following the one who said to sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and die, now, that's, that's extreme, and that doesn't seem to be the call for everyone, but those are the stakes. It's life and death. It's the death I would have died, the death I would have kept dying if it weren't for the grace of God in this place. It's the deaths others would have died, spiritually or literally. I know how many people I counsel who wonder aloud to me if the world wouldn't be better off without them. I see their lives sustained through unimaginable pain. I see them healing and flourishing. You don't all know that, right? But I know it. You don't know that that's the story of the person next to you, but I do. You don't know that you are responsible for their healing that you have facilitated their survival, but I do. I know the pain that people are surviving because of this place. And so I know the terms of their joy when they find it. And these are the things that define your legacy and the moral location of your soul. And what is that worth? We give to God because it's a fundamental obligation. 
We were given life. We've been held and protected and sustained by the grace of God, and so we return some portion of what we've been given. We, be, we give because we're grateful for what we've experienced here. We give as a spiritual practice, as an act of worship, as a way of centering ourselves and our hearts back around this work of world-making. I love the way that Harriet approaches the call to offering with her singing bowl, grounding us in the worship, in the spirituality of that moment. For the Israelites, the tithe, giving 10% of what you own to God, wasn't just an economic practicality, but was worship. It was an acknowledgement of God and 10% besides the tithes and offerings were given from the first fruits of the harvest, the strongest of the livestock, not what was left over or unwanted. The tithe was an absolute priority. But in the Christian Testament, there's no command to tithe. Some in the early church gave everything that they owned, like the widow who gave her last mite, like the apostles in Acts 2, which sold everything and held what they had in common. But others didn't, and they weren't judged for it, right? From each according to their ability. So there's no rule. It's just you and your conscience. No one is checking. No one is judging. I'm not even allowed to look at that kind of info. I'm not allowed to see these kinds of things, but I can see what we've done as a collective. I can see the lives that we've touched and healed. I can see the growth of ministries and membership, the expansion of visions, the renewal of hope. But I can also see that we're not caught up on pledges. <laughs> I can see that we're poised to face a deficit this year. If folks don't give. I've been told that this might affect my ability to minister here. I can see that this problem, which is really our only serious problem, the only pressure, the only challenge that makes the discussions we have with one another sometimes full of tension, this is the only problem. And it would be so easily remedied if folks just gave. <laughs> if folks gave the tithe, we would be more than set. We wouldn't be having any of these conversations. We'd just do whatever we wanted to do. If folks gave a little less than the tithe, we'd be okay. I don't think there's any way that new creation is worth less than that. I don't think there's any truly Christian way of saying that this work is worth less than 10% of our lives. And don't mishear me when I say that, right? That's, that's just a number, a traditional number, but a flexible one. There are other ways of giving. 10% of your life, 10% of your time, talent, and treasure. You've got to work out what giving looks like between you and God. I'm just offering a perspective. Each of us 
little divine instruments that we are, are in this together. We're building a new world together. And I'm, I'm not being sensationalistic. That's the only thing I believe in. That's the only reason that I'm here. We are building a new world from within the decaying corpse of the old. All around us is sin and death and destruction and division and deceit and emptiness and pain. And this, that is a world from which most people have no escape. They have nowhere to go where they are told that they are loved and held, cherished and gloried in by their creator. They are trapped in the deadening narratives of a world that has no capacity for imagining life, not abundant life, not eternal life, the life that we anticipate and build toward and experience in nation form in every moment of living in this communal body. This is saving lives. This is making life. This is providing an alternative reality to a harsh and unfeeling world. And what is that worth to you? What is new creation worth? Give us a clear message today. Tell us what this is worth to you. By meeting the deficit, by pledging for next year, by committing to the work of the community at the fair after worship. Let's be fully invested in the world God is making through us because it's already more beautiful than we can even countenance. If we gave ourselves to our emotions and let the feelings flow, we would weep and weep for gratitude because of this place. So let's care for it in return. Let's build it up. Let's give not just so that we can meet the needs of the year, but so that we might grow. The vision we have is of the world seeing and participating in the work of God at First Church. So let's make it happen. Let's go deeper and let's make new creation together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.